I'm Jim Juno, and this is Lights, Camera, Author. Winter has come to North Carolina, and with it a drop in crime. Freed from a heavy work schedule, Tempe Brennan is content to dote on her daughter Katie, finally returned to civilian life from the Army. But when mother and daughter meet at Tempe's place one night, they find a box on the back porch and inside, a very fresh human eyeball. GPS coordinates etched into the eyeball lead to a Benedictine monastery where an equally macabre discovery awaits. Soon after, Tempe examines a mummified corpse in a state park and her anxiety deepens. There seems to be no pattern to the subsequent killings uncovered, except that each mimics in some way a homicide that a younger Tempe had been called in to analyze. Who or what is targeting her and why? Could this elaborately staged skein of mayhem be the prelude to a twist that is even more shocking? Tempe is at a loss to establish the motive for what is going on, and then her daughter disappears. Number one New York Times best-selling thriller writer Kathy Reichs returns with her 21st novel of suspense, featuring forensic anthropologist Temperance Brennan, and I talked with her about her latest novel, Cold, Cold Bones. Hi, welcome to Lights, Camera, author Kathy Reichs. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, Tempe Brennan is up to her old tricks. Temperance Brennan, this is your 21st Tempe Brennan novel. It is. Uh, over the past 25 years. Cold, cold bones. And I read it over the weekend. I read 340 pages in three days. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I kept, Binging. I kept saying I'm going to read 100 pages because I don't want to give anything off, anything out inadvertently about the book uh, and spoil it for people. Then I said, I can go another 100. And then it became another 100. So I said, okay, I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, very good, by the way. Very, Thank you. very good. Thank you. Now, it begins with somebody sending an eyeball to Temperance Brennan. Yeah, Tempe's in a really good place when the story opens because her daughter has finally um, resigned, retired, I guess, from the Army and is moving to Charlotte. So she's helping her move in. And they quit for the day, go back to Tempe's house. There's a box on the back porch, which is the last thing they want to see because they've spent the day unpacking boxes. But they open this box and inside is a human eyeball. And etched on the eyeball are coordinates, GPS coordinates. So of course, Tempe has to follow where that leads. They lead to a Benedictine monastery and she makes another grisly discovery there. And then not long after that, her boss sends her out, the medical examiner sends her out to collect a body uh, from a national park. And it turns out to be a mummified corpse hanging from a tree, a, a parent's suicide. Yes. But Tempe begins to get this, this feeling, this anxiousness, because something is linking these cases and she can't figure out what it is. And also, you mentioned her daughter is, are, is back. And her daughter, Katie, has, like you said, um, been discharged from the, uh, from the army. Or military, rather. I'll say military. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, she has come with some of her, her own baggage. Yeah, Katie's probably, we don't know this right away, but she's very prickly, let's say, moody. And she's probably suffering from PTSD 
because she served two uh, volunteered for two services, two deployments to the Middle East. So she's been in combat. So it's taken a bit of a toll. Yeah. And uh, and her adventure of Temperance Brennan's adventure to take her to a place which I know of uh, Belmont Abbey College. Because that's where my son graduated from. Okay, I'd forgotten about that. Yes, uh, I'd be curious to how, how what they feel about having this discovery made in an old latrine on the <laughs> college campus. Well, I called him actually after I read that read that in the first few chapters, and I said, and I read him your passages, and he was able to name the buildings that that um, you were talking about. Okay, and. Well, I was like, I was like, yeah, I said, that's, that's unre- it's really great when you're, when you're finding stuff. And plus I've been to Charlotte several times, you know, yeah. and so yeah. I, I know the area pretty well, but to see that all of a sudden jump out at you, that yeah. was a real treat. Well, good. I'm glad I got it right. Did you, uh, did you have any trouble getting on campus down there or did you do research on campus? I actually did not go on campus. Um, I spoke to people down there and I used a lot of their um, website and Google Earth. And yeah, I've been by the campus many, many times. But yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful campus. If you ever get a chance to go down there, um, I'd be like, I'd be like to know what they would, what they thought of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 21 books. Now, when you first started, Deja Dead was your first one 25 years ago, 1997. Um, that, does it seem that long? When I was researching for this book, book, um, what, what happens in here is Tempe figures out there's a copycat killer mimicking her older cases from her, her history. Um, so to write the book, I had to go back to a lot of my earlier books and keep checking facts and details and minutia. So, Yes, it felt like a very long time ago. I'm trying to remember details in uh, Deja Dead or some of those early books. And if you get anything wrong, thriller readers are very astute and they will point it out. If the guy's eyes were brown, you know, in book number two, they better still be brown in book number 22. So I spent a lot of time going back and it did seem like a long time ago that I wrote those early ones. I imagine the changes in the field is was something striking also. Yeah, of course, the biggest is the emergence of DNA. Uh, anthropology itself hasn't changed that much. Our methodologies, our um, tools haven't changed terribly much. Our databases are much better. We're much more sophisticated at being able to take measurements and do statistical analyses and that sort of thing. But the big gorilla in forensic science is um, DNA. And we now, of course, sample everything and store it. You can't use DNA in a vacuum. If you've got a completely unknown set of remains, you can't, you can extract DNA, but what do you compare it to? So what I will do, what Tempe does in those cases is write up a biological profile and give the investigating officer the age, the racial background, the sex, the height, any medical peculiarities. He or she can then match that to a missing person's list and see if they've got a possible it we we think it could be john doe then you can go get john doe's family's dna or you can go get john doe's me, um, dental records now you also also you uh, a big another big change has been the internet i mean i remember reading deja dead and monday morning and 
this was that was the i guess you called the genesis of the internet the dark ages you know um nowadays like uh tempe calls up her friend out in a is it los angeles lapd yeah yeah and um I'm trying to recall all the all the little yeah yeah I forgot about that yeah well that's the other thing that that didn't exist back then I don't think were cell phones right which actually is kind of a blessing to a mystery writer because if someone can automatically pick up their cell phone and Google a location or whatever you know it makes it harder to create mysteries to create how. How do I explain this? Well, it's easy to explain. You get on your phone and, you know, you Google it. So, or to connect with, with other people. It's so easy now. Whereas back then you'd have to find a, a pay phone or. Yeah. And then, but then now also, you know, she has her own cell phone problems in this new book. I'm not going to give away anything. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, she does. She does. <laughs> she does have issues with her cell phone. Yes. And, um, but also, also, and I'm, I'm not giving anything away that is on Amazon here. Her daughter disappears. Yeah. Eventually Katie disappears and things really get tense and helping her with this investigation is one of my favorite characters is skinny Slidell Erskine skinny yeah. Slidell. He's retired. Both he is retired and Ryan up in Montreal have retired. They've gone into partnership in a private investigate, a PI firm, but skinny can't quite cut the ties with the Charlotte Mecklenburg police department. So he still works in their cold case unit. So he is reluctantly drawn into this investigation because as the story progresses, one of the victims might be one of his cold case victims. So Skinny's the one working with her in this. Right. It, he was actually, I mean, he's actually almost in every chapter. And he's a great character, I think. He's, he's with his gallows humor and his, <laughs> and his hard guy, crusty, grumpy face thing. He doesn't come from Charlotte, does he? <laughs> from where? Charlotte. Um, oh, gosh. See, now that's something I would have to go back and find the book when I introduce the character and see where he's from. I he think he's... Yeah, he doesn't strike like a Charlotte personality. Okay, he's 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 a Southern boy though, I think. So. Ah, okay. Now we got again. You said like Andrew Ryan makes an appearance, which is always fun to see. Yeah. He's now a PI. Um, yeah. He's he's out of town. He's um. The book is set in, of course, cold, cold bones. It's set in the dead of winter. Yes. Late January, early February. Yes. And, of course, you know you say. I mean, he's out he's out in the tropics yes because he's he's pursuing a a private case involving a sailboat down in the caribbean in the islands so while she's freezing to death in charlotte for that there's actually a blizzard which shuts down the city here as you know uh, in the carolinas if you get even mentioned the, the s word the snow world the whole town you know goes crazy so that's going on in charlotte while he's down getting his Canadian skin sunburned down in the islands. <laughs> Out of all the characters, I mean, you got, you have your four main characters with, with Tempe and Katie and uh, Andrew and, and, and skinny. Right. You have a favorite. Well, I, as I said, I really like skinny. skinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, not as a romantic interest, of course, but uh, I do like him. He's it's fun to write 
dialogue for skinny. This particular book, you uh, you had to you had to really deep dive into your uh, into your past and into your. I mean, you've already answered one of my questions I had I had scheduled here. You uh, deep dive into your into Tempe's past. Um, did you find anything in the past that that you had forgotten about that surprised you? In one of the earlier books, um, probably I can't think of it right now. But I'm sure there were things that as we my, and my assistant helped me with this a lot, I'd say, find the book in which he um, reconnects with his daughter or whatever. How old was she? I don't know. Was she 17? Was she 23? Was she? Um, so, yeah, we did a lot of digging. And I think I'm sure we, we found things that I totally forgotten about. What what do you got going on now? I mean, you just came back from Ireland, I believe. I just spent two weeks in Ireland with my three kids and my six grandkids. We had a magical trip. We did and finding my roots. I'm from Limerick. I'm, we're Limerick people. And I was able to trace the actual little town where um, my great, great, great grandmother and grandfather um, were born and got married and died. It's now a population of 520, this tiny little place in uh, County Limerick. Yeah. So we, we did a lot of just traveling around uh, the, the boys, two of the boys are 12. They wanted to stay in castles. I think they had this vision of, you know, knights with longbows or something, but anyway, we stayed at some castles that are now hotels and, um, we just we went fishing and we rode horses and we gosh what else we learned to make scones and they learned irish dancing and just so many different things we had a great trip really you learned you learned irish dancing too i had to take irish dancing when i was a kid so <laughs> so if i had to go through that i figured my grandkids have to go through that so let's see so you're from limerick in ireland um did and you're known all over the world for your books uh 20 you know, I don't not just twenty one bestsellers with the uh, with the Tempe Brennan series, but you also have a couple of other series, uh, which have been bestsellers around the world. Do people know you when you go on the road like that? They know. One of the nice things I think about being an author is I have name recognition, but not that much face recognition. People. You know, they glance at your photo on the back of a book and it looks nothing like you because it's professionally done and you have makeup and you look great, you know, and then they see you in the real in in the flesh. And so there's not a lot of facial recognition, but a lot of uh, many, many of the people that we interacted with our tour guides and the guy that took us fishing and the guy that took us on a carriage ride. And they knew the books. They they. Yeah, absolutely. Name recognition. Now you're and also in your, at the very very end of the book after the after the story has been concluded, you thank the people for sticking by you during the pandemic, which I thought was a really nice touch. And how and you're coming out on tour. You're going to be touring next week. I am. The book was released today, mm -hmm. so I'm going to do a public event in Charlotte um, Thursday night, uptown at a place called Imagine On. I think there are still tickets available. Then I fly to Indianapolis and I'm doing something, a public speaking event there. Then I go out to uh, Houston and Phoenix, then on up to Canada. I'm home for two days. Then I go to Chicago and do a public speaking event. And then I fly to London. So it's going to be a very long. Yeah. So you, you do have London, London spots on the tour. 
Yes, uh, London and uh, there's a fest, Harrogate, the Harrogate Festival. You know, that's something which I noticed on your Twitter feed. People were asking, are you coming to the UK? I am. And I'll be going to Harrogate, which is way up north, up towards Scotland. Let me ask you this. When you were, when you were stuck inside uh, during the pandemic, as we all were, did that, uh, well, you actually got to go to work, I know, because your, your work doesn't stop. Right. You know, but um, did you find it, was it harder to write being shut in like that or? You know, I, I have to admit that I didn't suffer all that much because we were COVIDed in <laughs> with my two daughters and my four grandkids at our beach house. Oh. So we just hung, it was like a kibbutz. We hung out together and we walked on the beach and we ordered food with DoorDash and it, and I was able to write. Um, so it was, uh, I feel guilty that it, I, it wasn't as bad as for many people. Are you, uh, and of course you got vaccinated right away? And boosted. And yeah. Boosted. And I had COVID. <laughs> I got COVID anyway, so I think I'm. I you think, had COVID. Oh my. Yeah, I had COVID like after the first booster, but before the second booster back in January, I think. It was like a cold for me. It wasn't terrible. That's you know, and it's an interesting decision that writers have to make now, or at least when I was writing The Bone Code, is do you um, include the pandemic or do you just ignore it or do you make it a part of your story? And what I did is I, I give passing reference to it um, that I acknowledge that it took place, but it really doesn't function much in the story. Being that novelists often write about what they experience, are we to expect perhaps Tempe going to Ireland? You know, maybe we'll see. Um, I went with my daughter and two of my grandsons in uh, February, March. I don't know when it was to the Turks and Caicos Islands. And that's my favorite island group in the Caribbean. So the book that I'm writing now, it's called The Bone Hacker. And it is set. It starts out in Montreal and it then moves to the Turks and Caicos Islands. Oh, so, so and it, it is. Book. Yeah, it is the last book on the current contract. So I have to decide what I'm going to do about that. So. Oh, so we have we have the Bone Hacker, which I, I'm going to guess is going to come out next summer. Yes. And that August was 1st. August, August 1st. Okay, a little bit later than this one. Yes. So, yeah. And I'm just wondering again now, since writers write about what they experience, can we see uh, Tempe or Katie or somebody get covid not a, not a major case, but... Uh... You know, we will be... When that comes out in the summer of 2023, we will be, what, three years post-pandemic? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that I would bring that in. They'll have monkeypox. <laughs> I, I hope not, given the possible means of spread of monkeypox. <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, you, I'm not committing to anything, but you, uh, you mentioned we'll have to see what happens after the next book. Do you ever think you're going to get to a point where you want to retire, uh, Tempe Brennan? Maybe. Maybe. It's not a no. Okay. It's, it's not a, a no. <laughs> I mean, there will be a point where oh, yeah. I do I mean, retire, or it's just a question of when that will happen. I know, but you're still having fun writing, I can tell. I am. I am. 
it's I'm way behind right now because I took two weeks off to go to Ireland and then I'm, I'm back three days and then I'm off on a month long tour. So once I get back uh, from the tour, which is like June, uh, no, July 30th or something, I really have to hammer down and and I'll probably go to the beach house and just just hunker in there and work on it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, going. I mean, now you have you have, of course, your dual citizenship between C Canada and the United States. No, I don't. I've never had Canadian. Oh, no. you've never had. Uh, oh, I, why did I think you did? I was there a lot. But, <laughs> you worked yeah. up there, didn't you? I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for decades. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, I assumed. I, mean, I shouldn't assume, but I assumed you had Canadian citizenship. No. Amazing. Okay. Well, let me ask you one more question here. Um, I, I don't want to keep you all afternoon, but uh, I'm having fun talking to you here. Um, when Tempe, how much is how much what we read is Tempe and how much what we read is is Kathy Reichs? Oh, it's a mix, really. I mean, she's her own person. She's got parts of me, obviously. She she's very focused. She's very devoted to her work. She's very committed to getting justice for the dead. She's very committed to getting answers to families who are missing loved ones. She can be a bit snarky. Um, she has a very cutting sense of humor. She's very sarcastic. I think she gets that from me also. My friends tell me that when they read the book, they can just hear me saying the things that she is saying. But she's also different in many ways. She's a non-drinker, for one thing, in, in the books, not in the TV show. And the TV Tempe is different from the book Tempe, too. That's so, another thing yeah, so many manifestations of her. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna remember one line from Cold Cold Bones. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Maybe it does. Real real minor line. Uh, Tempe is a recovering alcoholic, mm -hmm. and somebody mentions something in the book about that, and it strikes her the wrong way. But she understands why they said that, and um, and of course, I mean, you don't. I mean, well, no, she drink. She doesn't drink, but you do. That's correct. I just wanted the character to have a flaw, something that that's something she's dealing with. She's not perfect. So and it also I thought when I did that with the character in the first book, it would lend itself to um, situations where she falls off the wagon where and in one book she does. Yeah. So I tell you what, my favorite my favorite one so far, besides this one, I'm brown nosing a little bit here. Um, <laughs> Fatal Voyage. I mean. Oh, Fatal Voyage. I see people. I, I have little nicknames for all the books. There's the biker book and there's the um, serial killer book and there's the human trafficking. Anyway, I call Fatal Voyage the air crash book. And I'm always astounded when I see people reading it in airports or. <laughs> or, or on airplanes like okay it's not one i would read before going on an airplane you know but right like, yeah. like reading titanic before you go on a cruise exactly yeah. or on a cruise yeah. on a cruise yeah um you still a white Sox fan yeah yeah ah, okay yeah my son's a cubs fan but i guess i gotta go with the white Sox. well the cubs are not the cubs are the old cubs now there you uh, go. So, but why wait until next year? Right? Yeah, we got 108 years to wait, you know. So, we wanted and both the White Sox and the Cubs wanted, but um, now we got to wait again. So, but Kathy Reichs, the book is Cold, Cold Bones, the 21st book in the Tempe Brennan series. 
Thank you again for being on Light the Camera Author. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. Cold, Cold Bones is written by Kathy Reichs and published by Scribner. Until next time, I'm Jim Juno, and this has been Light the Camera Author. <laughs>